Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. Uh, this is our fourth episode, and today we have a great friend of mine, a tremendous coach, Tom Eller. He is currently the hitting coach in the Baltimore Orioles organization. This season, he would have been at the Frederick Keys, would have been the hitting coach of Frederick Keys. Coach Eller, um, we actually graduated the same year, and he played a ball at Cecil Community College. I played ball at Hagerstown. Um, didn't really know each other then, but through when we got done college and started coaching, that's how I was able to meet Coach Eller. And I met him at when he was a head coach at Hartford Community College. He is the four-time Maryland Juco Coach of the Year. He's won the Region 20 Championship five times. Um, what he's really known for is how his teams led the country in several power numbers for several years. When I say several, I'm talking home runs, RBIs, doubles. You're, there's a, if there's an offensive category, Hartford was on top at one point. Uh, in 2016, he led, him, led his team to the JUCO World Series. He said nearly 100 players in his time at Hartford that went on to play four-year colleges. And during that time, he coached five JUCO All-Americans, 56 players earning all Region 20 accolades, as well as 29 <clears throat> grabbing all Maryland JUCO conference honors. He has a proven hitting system that works, which is exactly why the Orioles picked him up. He knows how to teach hitting. Yeah, it's just not when when you are year in and year out at the top of the country in your hitting numbers, you know that something is being taught. And more importantly, the kids, your players, are applying what they are learning. And so I had the pleasure of, you know, working with Coach Eller in the fall. I would bring down a handful of kids and we would work out. And he was gracious enough to work out with our kids and I was able to get a glimpse into his hitting system, and boy, um, you know, he's he's a great, great hitting guy. Uh, besides, people don't, people don't realize is uh, even on the base pass, they they were top in the world, top, sorry, top in the country with their base running stats. Um, you know, he, he gets into talking about that um, amongst how he and the Orioles are getting better during this quarantine. quarantine. During the pandemic, uh, he gets into some of he gets into some of that. He talks about the differences of when he worked uh, and built great college hitters to how he right now he's building great professional hitters and how the difference is between what what they're doing um, and how kind of he's kind of changed um, based off of you know the, the the people that are in front of him. We also talk about what hitters are spending too much time on. He talked in a little bit about that. He also then talks about what they should be working more time on. So kind of really what you need to stop and what you need to start. Um, and uh, he was a great recruiter. He would bring in a ton of talent. And so we talk about recruiting. We talked about what he finds in his best recruits and what he would look for. We get into that. So I think those things are pretty valuable when someone's trying to work to maybe get a college scholarship or you know, as a coach you're looking at what can my kids do to become that then those are the kind of examples and things you want to give to your players. And as a player, that's one thing you need to start developing. 
But overall, he just started talking about the traits, the mental skills of what he's seen in all the best players. You know, he's now seen the number one draft pick um, <clears throat> go through the Orioles, and he's had the pleasure to work with him. And so, you know, he talks about him and talks about the, the plenty of other really good players that he's had, and he's seen a very common traits that all of them do. So, but there's so much in this conversation. We, we dive into a ton more. Uh, I really just want to get down to it. He's a uh, coach. Tom Eller is a great friend of mine. He is an absolute stud of a coach. Uh, another just dude that I'm just really happy that I get to call a friend. Really glad I have a relationship with Tom. Uh, he is, um, we've had so many great conversations and, you know, the conversations I've had with him in the past. And that's what kind of started me with this podcast is thinking, man, if, if other people had the opportunity to get a chance to talk to this guy and talk to the other great coach that I've had. So again, I just want to give you the pleasure and I hope that you enjoy this great conversation with coach Tom Eller, hitting coach with Baltimore Orioles. Just how are you doing all of this, man? How are you getting better during this time? Like what's. So, um, like we have, we have a zoom account with the Orioles and we have zoom meetings every day, whether it's like, we have like mindful Monday where we have our, uh, team psychologist our mental our mental skills coach I should say uh she works with you know us and the infielders and the outfielders like all the position players and um you know we do that every Monday every Tuesday you know we usually have like a uh some kind of hitting meeting of some sort um but we talk like you know we talk all the time um Mm -hmm. you know I think last week I had a meeting with um maybe seals so that was really cool. Um, went over like, a, you know, I think there was about eight of us on the call. We just went over like things that they do and they were asking us questions about what we do. Um, you know, you, you always think like, man, Navy SEALs, they got it all figured out and they do, they really do. But like, they said the same thing about us. They were like, man, you know, we really wanted to ask you guys questions about how you do things and how you handle players and all this kind of stuff. Um, so I thought that was really cool. And then we have a we have a book club that we're doing. So um, we have uh, and that's all on Zoom. So like we read like one or two chapters a week, and then we all meet up. Um, last we just finished up last time was we read um, um, by Carol Dweck, and she she was actually in on the call with us. Mindset, yeah, yeah. So she was actually in on the call with us too, which was really cool. She just like popped in and was like, you know, going over some of the the notes with us. So. Wow. Um, and players are involved with that too. So, you know, it really kind of preaches that, um, growth, growth mindset. And, um, that's exactly what we're trying to teach here. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's all kinds of different stuff. Uh, I think last week as well, we had, we had a meeting with, uh, Doug Lotta. Um, yeah, the hitting guy, hitting guru. Yeah. And then a couple of days ago, I was on the call with, um, Chaz from baseball rebellion, uh, Eugene Bleeker from 108, Matt Lyle, you know, some, some really good hitting guys on there. And I was on there for three hours, uh, in the middle of the day. And my wife was like, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm listening to these guys talk about hitting. Like I'm trying to get better. Um, so, you know, it's, it seems like I'm always on zoom. Yeah. (laughs) You guys specifically have certain players going to be on those calls. Like when you, when you're, when you're on with like Carol Dweck, or is it like a certain team at that time? Yeah. So we do like the book club, not everybody's involved with it. Um, so anybody who wants to be in the book club can be in the book club. Um, but we also have, um, you know, like optional hitters meetings where we, we 
have the whole group there. Um, and then of course I have all my guys that, you know, would probably be with me at Frederick where, you know, we, we wrote out player plans for each person. Um, and now we're actually doing something cool where we're kind of making their player plan interactive, where they can see some, some examples of some things like in a Google slide show. And that's been, it's been really time consuming, but it's been really good. Players really like it a lot. So you're doing the slideshow for them or are they doing the slideshow to show you? No, we're doing the player plan slideshow for them. So it's like, you know, things that they need to work on, um, things that are good, things that are bad. And we give examples of it and um, it's been really good. And I guess were all those player plans based on what you had assessed prior to them leaving? Yeah. And, and kind of, yeah, from last year's stats, really. I mean, a lot of the guys I knew already because I had them at Delmarva or at Aberdeen. Um, so I was able to throw some other stuff in there besides just stats and, you know, their swing rates and their swing and miss rates and their chase rates and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much, we go through everything, whether it's, you know, our swing, our swing decision side or our swing characteristic side, and even gets into, um, the way they move as well. So like their, their mobility and things like that. So I guess leading into that, so like, is that, are those are the three kind of three areas that you're testing now hitters? Um, I mean, I don't know if you want to call it testing, but that that's things that we assess, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, we really, we really want to make sure that they're swinging at good pitches uh, because in the long run, that's going to, you know, help them increase their OPS and, you know, do more damage at the plate and also eliminate chasing. So that's huge. So I guess, cause like for me, like I've, I've assessed that like this past fall, like or, or this past spring, you know, is as simple as, you know, me having a chart with like the strike zone and having somebody behind them saying that was a strike, you swung at a strike. And then at the, at the end of the game, you just total up how many swings you have based on the number of swings that you should have swung at. Is as simple as that? Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good way to put it. Um, I mean, obviously track man has changed the game. So oh, like yeah. guys who have track man and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's, it's a lot easier for us. We don't have to do that, but yeah, I mean, I think it, it goes back to like, even in BP, like, you know, tell them the swing and strikes and have somebody back there saying like, you know, that wasn't a strike, but that was a ball, you know, like really start to pinpoint the zone. Um, you know, and like we talk about three O counts and, and this is back when I was at Hartford, like we would talk about like what we should look like in our swing three O two O, you know, one O hitters counts. Mm-hmm. And um, essentially that's a hitters count is all the way through. We want to, we want to look at for pitches to do damage with to get two strikes. So um, that that's one thing that hasn't really changed for me. I mean, my, my, my philosophy on, you know, what pitches to swing at and why we're swinging at them and what not to swing at has always kind of been the same. Yeah. That's kind of like, even with me, like I always tell kid, like, I just tell every hit I work with, like, there's no drill that I can do give you if you're going to swing a ball in the dirt. Like there's no good drill for that. You know, nope. it's not going to, you're not going to, we're not going to fix that with any kind of drill um, or any kind of, you know, thing like that's about you and choosing to swing and making good swing decisions. Exactly. So, so with track, track man, track man basically gives you all that information. Yeah. I mean, you can do whatever you want with track man. Um, so like we can, we can pull plots. We can find out where each pitch was. We can, we know whether they swung at it or not, what the result was, 
you know, how many RPMs it was, you know, we can do anything with it really. So when you were at Hartford, when you, cause you had, uh, the cloud, right. Then you have, um, we had, yeah, we had baseball cloud and flight scope. Um, yeah, flight scope. That's right. So th- was, would it give you those same things? Were you tracking it then? Um, yes and no. Like we didn't have necessarily the, the complete software to, um, you know, know exactly where every pitch was. Uh, we could see it on the screen if we had it up, but we couldn't compile that data. Um, like once it was gone, it was gone. You know, like we had a spreadsheet that had all the data on it, but you don't know it. You know, it's just giving you coordinates of the pitch. So it was kind of like useless. Um, what we look for was like for pitching, we would look for, you know, like their their RPMs, their, their induced vertical break, um, their horizontal break. With hitting, we would check, you know, launch angles, exit velocity, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there's a whole other portion of that that you can get into with just the strike zone of how TrackMan, you know, discovers the strike zone. What kind of is there any? What what's like your favorite thing to like as a drill or like to, for guys to work on uh, for swing decisions? Um, I mean, honestly, I think you know if you listen to uh, the Yankees hitting coordinator, I'm I'm losing, I forget his name uh, off the top of my head. But I, I know they do a lot of different stuff with like, like they'll have a med ball back behind home plate and the pitcher's throwing at the med ball. And if the, if the ball hits the med ball, it's a strike. If the ball doesn't hit the med ball and you swing at it, that's bad news, obviously. Um, also, I mean, you could break the plate up in the, into um, like quadrants. You split into four, four different quadrants and then you could have um, – the hitter actually talk about like, you know, what quadrant that pitch was over top of. So like if it was out and that's one, you know, oh, that was a one. And basically just have them identify what quadrant that, that pitch was so that they have self-awareness of like what the strike zone actually is. Sure. Yeah. Speaking of Doug Lotta too, like I just saw him something on Twitter, he basically put up, you know, strike zone and just said, you know, guys like, I guess, movement work. He was like, yeah, the nine ball, first, yeah, the nine ball movement work and was just saying yep. one swing, you know, hit an eight swing and just kind of, it's more like a movement preps, but like he was, you know, just, just giving guys, you know, those kind of things, but it's still the awareness of the strike zone, which then would hopefully correlate to you doing that. Um, you know, I mean, I've even had guys like I've had the nine ball, the nine strike and when they would hit and they'd kind of tell me which, where was it? Was it the nine? Was it the one, you know, when yep. they would go to hit? That and you can fun. even like shrink that up too. I mean, like that's kind of what we do is we shrink the plate up even more. So it's like a six ball routine where it's like, okay, what ball was that over top of? That was one. Yeah. So you're talking or... like straight over top of the plate yep. instead of the actual like strike zone from. No, no, no. Yeah. Just low. straight across the plate. Right. Straight across the plate. Yeah. Yeah. But it's Perfect. amazing how much like guys and I've never been big on it, but like, it's amazing. Like how much you see guys understand the strike zone once they work at it. Um, and my, my big philosophy before was just like, you know, if, if we can increase bat speed, that's going to give you more time to make your decision, which you're making better decisions now because you can see the ball longer. So um, it's a it's definitely a combination of both. Like you have to practice it and also train your hitters to swing fast so that they can create more time to see pitches coming out of the tunnels. Speaking about training fast, you know, and you, you just mentioned Chaz, every baseball rebellion. Um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work with the racks since, since, since honestly, since I've known you and you got into it 
is that like the best way that you think is, is to be able to train fast or like, what is the, I guess the, how do you like to go about that? <clears throat> yeah. Is I mean, training bat speed based off just even the blast, like, you know, cause I'm sure you got guys that who have tremendous bat speed or, you know, how are you training them to get even faster? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it and like I've, I've been, I've had a, a, an opportunity to talk to a lot of different hitting guys and I've heard a lot of different ways to do things. And honestly, I, I still haven't found a better way than what, what they do at baseball rebellion as far as how they teach it. Um, when it comes to, um, you know, how, what, what was the question again? We said, uh, like, how do you turn train yeah, to turn you, fast, right? Yeah. You're basically, yeah. Cause you were, you were saying how, you know, you're trying to teach guys to be a swing fast so they can have, longer time oh yeah, yeah. i know where i was decisions. going with this so yeah yep. how are we how are we going to be able to train that to, to so then because like right now you know where guys could be you know like how like what would your what would you say to the hitters right now trying to train to be faster <clears throat> yeah me. i mean if you use that rebel rack and you learn how to to speed your body up when it comes to rotation i mean that's that's the number one thing like if you can be able to train your middle core of your body to turn fast and, and stop fast then you're going to have a huge advantage against, you know, other players. So now one thing I will say is that, you know, when we, we use bla the blast sensors um, and we do, we use weighted bats, heavy bats, light bats, long bats. Um, and we have some guys that come in and, and they'll, they'll literally after practice, they'll see, uh, they'll grab the heavy bats and they'll start, you know, checking their bat speeds. Now bat speed is, is, that speed is not like the end all thing. It's right. not the, the one thing that we need because as soon as you start trying to increase your bat speed, you lose your mechanics in your swing and you start pulling off everything and yanking everything in the dugout, um, you know, top spinning balls, hooking balls. And that's what I, I constantly have to remind our, our hitters is like, listen, you already have, like you're here, you're here in the minor leagues right now. You already have bat speed. Okay. Like, yeah, there's some guys that need a little bit more, um, but for the most part, you don't, we don't need to have 85 mile an hour bat speed. Uh -huh. And when we, when we look at an 85 mile an hour bat speed, that, that's usually like, a, it's not effortless for one, for sure. I can tell you that. Um, it's usually a guy like arm barring, trying to yank his front side off, just trying to make the bat go fast. So, um, that's something that I, I constantly have to like make our guys understand is like, yeah, heavy bats, bat speed, it, it, they're all good, but, but you don't want to you know sacrifice your movement pattern to get more bat speed yeah it's not effortless like your boy griffey i know that's your favorite yeah exactly <laughs> so it's funny like um i have it in my notes man here when you said stop your body fast and i tell you what you know of all the conversations that we've had i've never heard you talk about that i never heard you say anything about stopping our body fast and that kind of reminds me i know you said you talked to bleaker at 108 and that kind of seems like i know that's their kickback and a scissor which is something that we've talked about um, you know, it seems like that's a big decelerator too, but can you talk a little about that? Like, what do you, you know, like, that seems like that's kind of new on your mind. Like what, uh, what, what you said, training your body to get fast and to stop fast. Like, yeah, because the way that, and really I got, you know, talking to Greg Rose from on base U I've talked to him twice. We, we I went through his course twice and that's something that, that he brought up a lot. So like when we look at our, our KVS readings and we, we use KVS K motion, uh, which is basically 3D vision. Um, we're, we're checking how the body's moving. We're measuring how the body's moving. And um, 
you know, basically what happens is the way that kinetic chain works is that, you know, your hips start to accelerate. So my hips are starting to accelerate towards the pitch and for, for my upper body, my torso to start, you know, to reach peak speed, my hips have to stop. So, you know, the, the next thing in the kinetic chain needs the, the first thing to stop. So for my torso to start rotating fast, my hips actually have to stop vice versa. Like once I get to my, my lead arm, my torso has to stop. So it's like, if you can imagine like a, a like a spaceship, a NASA sp- spaceship getting ready to, to go off, the big rocket boosters go off and they, they go up into the sky and then eventually they burn out. And there's another rocket that kicks in and, and boosts it through the, through the sky. That's, that's what the kinetic chain is. It, it works, you know, your pelvis first using ground force, you're starting to rotate and then your torso picks up followed by your lead arm, followed by your barrel. And you can't just continue to keep all those things moving all at one time. So if you can stop, if you can stop your hips fast and get them where they need to be, then your torso can pick up and then we can get the barrel working through the zone faster. So that's why I said stop. Sure. You need to be able to stop those hips because, and again, if you think, if I tell you to rotate your hips, um, you know, a lot of guys drag their hips. So it's like everything's dragging through the zone versus push. Yeah. So what I, what I try to think about is like, okay, let's hurry up and stop those hips. So we want to get those hips rotating, but we want to hurry up and stop them too. So it's almost like a check swing. And when you do a check swing, you're, you're promoting the D cell pattern, um, which is what we need to have in our swing in order to kind of fire the rest of our, our kinetic chain. So I guess that, yeah, cause that was one of my things is like thinking like, you know, cause you guys were, you know, letting lead in the nation and a lot of power numbers at Hartford, you know, like this is really, you've kind of started your progression as, as a, as a really good teacher of hitting well, amongst other things, but like, so how has, you know, your hitting system really changed since, you know, your time at Hartford now? Um, well, at Hartford, I mean, we had to basically, and, and I don't want this to go the wrong, wrong way, but you know, Juco, you get guys with problems and they might have some tools, but they're not polished. And, you know, there's, there's things that you have to clean up about them. And most of the problems were they weren't able to rotate the proper way. Um, so now in, in pro ball, you know, you get like guys like Adley Rushman and Kyle Stowers, who's, you know, an, an, the number two pick. Uh, guys who are absolute studs who can, can rotate and, and are super athletic. Um, now you just got to clean up their path or whatever. And, and Adley's a little bit different, but, you know, I think now it's more about cleaning up, you know, bat path issues um, where, you know, they're coming in too steep or they're losing their scap early or, you know, their direction sucks as far as like, you know, they're just spinning into the poolside dugout all the time. Um, or, or, you know, they just don't really understand things like, you know, effective velocity or, or, you know, real velocity, like they, they want to have the same timing to every pitch and, and that's going to cause them to, you know, really struggle with some stuff. So do you find yourself working more approach because like of the stuff's just better too? No, I, I mean, I, honestly, I don't really talk about approach a whole lot, um, unless we have guys that, you know, have, have issues. Um, most of the time it's, 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 it's mechanical stuff. I mean, it's usually like, you know, like I said, bat path, a lot of guys just getting too steep, you know, their, their heads moving forward too much. Um, you know, they're not staying back. They're not rotating the proper way. Um, I will say that I think direction is one of the biggest issues, you know, that we have where, 
you know, they're not keeping that barrel in, in the plane for a long time. They're kind of like yanking across their body so much. Again, coming back to that check swing, you know, it seems like that's one of your, you know, drills that you seem to really like right now. Yeah. I think that's, it, it kind of makes guys, like I said, it makes them stop and it makes them understand, you know, where the barrel should be working. For sure. Mm, direction. So like, if you think of a hockey player and, yeah, and, or a golfer or whoever, like, so a hockey player, their stick is going to continuously work towards the goal after they hit the puck. Right. Whereas sure. if you think about a baseball guy, a lot of times you'll see guys, their barrel work pull side right away. So sure. they'll come through the zone and then all of a sudden it's a yank across their body. And if you think of a, a golfer or, you know, a hockey player trying to do that, I mean, they would not be anywhere near where they're trying to hit it. So same thing with baseball. We, we want to be able to, you know, work that barrel right back where the ball came from. I think it also gives you more true spin, you know, better carrying the ball too. You know, it seems like that as you're working more through the ball. <clears throat> Do you give any more? Nope. So like when you're trying to work the direction, you know, are you looking for more external clues during that? Like meaning, are you just trying to give people like an end goal with that? Or is it some type of feel that you're trying to work out? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll do, um, you know, like the, I, I will have guys with a PVC pipe and act like they're doing a slap shot or, or hitting a golf ball. I will do that. Um, but I, I want them to think that their barrel is getting deep back by their, you know, behind their back leg and, and working through this, the pitcher's face almost. Um, so it's more of, and, and more of a, like a feel like this. So you see my arm working this way versus this way. Yeah, elbow more vertical instead of horizontal. Yep. yep. Yeah, and then like, cause I, I, I've been one drill that I've just loved and I've just helped my son. A lot of just people feel is like put their lead arm out, like yeah, yeah skip the rock. Head, just put it here and just and just keep. And I'm gonna hold it. I'm gonna just hold your arm and just let them feel that, and that yep. allows them to know like I just gotta work this way through that. So that's typically one that I've 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 really seen to just kid the kids are like oh wow like and that one I think when you just talked about like a, a guy's head's moving too too mm-hmm. early and that really just quiets the head just have them it just rotates right around and gives them just a better feel but it also it just it just it's almost like a light bulb like we're like oh i can actually swing without this arm actually going forward or yeah and, and that's one thing i'll say too is like another really big issue is like disassociation of the shoulders from the hips so you'll see a lot of guys and that's exactly what what you're doing right there when you're skipping the rock and you have that arm out like that and you're skipping underneath you're you're disassociating disassociation, you know, with your shoulders from your, your hips in order to move the proper way. So, um, you know, that's, that's something that guys have to understand where they just kind of open up all at once. So like their, their KVS readings are usually jacked up where it's like, you know, it might be, I've seen some guys have a four first and a four is the bat. So like the first thing moving is it's peak speed is the bat. Um, or, you know, like a one, 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 which is, Basically, everything's opening all, all at one at time. At the same time, right, right. Yep. I mean, you got to be like a kid in a candy store having all these things to your disposal it, 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 now. It, it, I mean, going really from Hartford, cool. Juco, like, I mean, it was kind of like how you guys went from like, I mean, because I remember playing you guys and working with you when you didn't have turf, you know, and then so when you did, it was just like, I mean, then you were a kid in a candy store then, and now going from that to cave vests and all these, everybody has a blast. and Yep. Yeah, you, I mean, how do you deal with all that though? Like, you know, like with all of us, anytime we get something new, like just the learning curve of it, being able to know what to manage, how have you handled having all of that and being able to manage all that? 
Yeah. I mean, last year luckily was like a really good year for me to just kind of like absorb everything. Like, um, you know, I've, I've used blast a little bit, but I didn't really like, we didn't even have the metrics when I used before as we do now, like we have the more advanced metrics. Um, you know, KVAS, I would have never, I've never used that before. And then, um, I was the first one in our organization to get it and use it. I was actually the only one in the organization last year that had it. And, you know, it gave me a lot of time just to like mess around with it because we, we didn't, we weren't really tracking anything yet. So it was just like, here, figure it out. They just kind of threw it at me and said, here, figure it out. Let us know what you think. Um, and that's what I did. I figured it out. Like I, I talked to a lot of different people. Uh, I got, I got to meet Justin Stone last year during the middle of the year and, you know, he was with me for two days and we went over, you know, a ton of stuff. And Justin is now the hitting coordinator for the uh, Cubs. And, he, you know, he, he runs elite baseball. Uh, he used to work for the White Sox. He was really a hitting consultant for a lot of different teams where he just basically went in and helped them with their kinematic sequence and some of their hitting stuff. Um, but I got to meet him and work with him. And he, he taught me a lot about um, K-Vest and the kinematic sequence and just how the body works. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, last year was really good as far as I had no idea what I was doing in the beginning. Um, now, like I'm not no by, by no means I'm an expert, but like I have a really good understanding of like, you know, K-Vest in general. Blast, on the, on the other hand, is, you know, Blast is um, like I get it and everything, but there's so many ways to manipulate it um, that it kind of screws some things up sometimes where you know, you think, you know, what a swing is. And then all of a sudden it, the numbers come back crazy and you're like, I don't, I don't, how did this happen? You know what I mean? Like, um, you think that sometimes it, has to do with like the pit. Like I find it, I find it what I'm using is sometimes like just even the pitch location. Well, yeah, you know, it's the like, pitch location, but, but we can even track that. Like we can match us. Oh, okay. Cause you have so many, so much data points. Pitch location. Right? Um, but the bigger thing is, is like how they move. So like, if you have a guy that has like a funky move in his, in his load, that might trigger the sensor. And then all of a sudden, all your data past that is is messed up. So um, that's kind of where it gets kind of dicey. So you, you really got to be able to pair it with video and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's awesome. Like, I, I really enjoy like in, enjoy using KVest. I mean, you know, we've had times where like I've I've had guys like have really good graphs and put really good numbers up on hit tracks and stuff like that. And it's like, but his graph is messed up, and I'm like. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here, but his results are really good. And um, come to find out, like there was a there was a, a time where we had like the the bat and or he was basically pushing the ball like a push. So his graph was just a little messed up. So we we went to the part of the graph that was just messed up, and we started like looking at video, you know, right around that time. And uh, come to find out, he was like he was like unhinging his wrist really early. And that was causing his barrel to spin kind of funny. And he wasn't really adjustable whatsoever. And this is a kid that couldn't hit a slider to save his life. Mm. And that's why. So we were able to kind of help him with his wrist, you know, not unhinging so early uh, to create a little bit more consistency and power. So that was a long answer. Yeah, it's been no, great. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, like, well that's, see, what's funny is like, so, uh, you know, as long as I've known you, like, you've never been one to like um, you're always really good about taking major things and making them very simple, you know, and I've always thought, I've always admired that of you. Um, and so I guess when you have all those things, like, cause you talked about a guy who was getting all the results, but then he wasn't moving the right way. You know, the, 
how do you how do you associate that where like is it a guy you're like look i'm just gonna leave him alone or do you still really dive into like you still really want him moving the right way yeah i mean the the, the guy that i'm talking about um was actually one of my former players at harford and he's playing independent independent ball right now and i showed him what it was and i tried to help him with it but at the same time i'm not going to change what he does because that might actually be helping him create bad speed. But whereas he's, you know, also can't hit an off speed pitch or maybe he gets fooled a little bit too much. Um, so like you present it to him sometimes, sometimes you don't present it to him because maybe they, they're putting up really, really good numbers, but I thought this would be like, you know, his something that's really going to help him. Um, but I think, yeah, you gotta, you gotta pick and choose what you do. Like cave stuff. I've, I'll, if I have to, I'll show them their graph, you know, like if it supports what I'm trying to get them to do, for instance, like we talk about D cell rates, like I'll, I'll pull up Mike Trout's graph and say, Hey, this is what Mike Trout's graph looks like. Like now look at your graph and Mike Trout's graph looks like, you know, a peak. It looks like a mountaintop. It, it excels really fast and then D cells really fast. So, and then a lot of guys, their, theirs is like more like a, a rounded hill. So we want to make sure that that thing gets like really sharp. So they're excelling really fast and deselling. So I'll, I'll use examples like that. Um, but yeah, you, you have to like kind of, I don't want to say dumb it down, but like make it simple for guys to understand, you know, if you just hand them a paper with a graph, like they're going to be like, what, what is this? Get this out sure. of my face. Sure. So, but yeah, yeah. it's just how we re- relay that information to our players is, is the most important thing. Absolutely. You know, like, I mean, I can, you know, anytime I'm something new, I remember the first time doing first diamond kinetics and then blast. But yeah, how you give it to a kid and how they are able to do that. Even when I first started like base two and different things, you know, every time it was always like we had to have like a classroom session first. Mm-hmm. We were able to like just per- prevent it and, and practice and kind of work on it. It, it kind of needed its own thing. And I've made mistakes before where I, I didn't have class, you know, and I and it, and it needed it. Um, you know, so it's that's for sure. You know, communication is key, man. I guess what you're trying to say is like, it's almost like you kind of said, you knew it was going to really going to help the guy because it may have like maybe prolonged his career or maybe play at a higher level. Yeah. It might take him to the next level, but at the same time, we got to look at, you know, what got him there and yeah. I'm sure he's been doing it all of his life. Um, so are we really, and that's, that goes the same with like mobility and stuff like that. Like everybody's talking about, you know, mobility and trying to be as, as mobile as possible. But, you know, we have, we have guys in our system that, you know, they might be tight movers or they might, you know, be, they're not like really hyper mobile or anything. And then all of a sudden they fail one of the, the on-base U test screenings or, or a mobility test. And everybody's like, first thing everybody wants to say is like, Oh, well, we got to get him to pass that test. I'm like, dude, he's been swinging this way for 18 years. Like we can't just change, you know, the way he moves or, or, or we, you know, make him more elastic in his hip joints he might not be able to hit the same way. You know what I mean? He might get worse. So mm-hmm. like it's, it's things like that. Like I, I, I know they even kind of tested on Mike Trout a little bit. Like he's a very stiff mover and uh, they tested trying to get him to loosen up a little bit. And in the beginning from what, this is just a rumor. I don't, I don't know if this is really true, but I've heard that um, the first part of the year, this past year, he, he kind of struggled because of that. Well, I guess it was last year, but he struggled because they had messed with his mobility a little bit. And um, he wasn't moving the same way. Yeah, I'm sure he's a – I don't want to say guinea pig for that, but, like, you know, he's just a guy that – I mean, everything is – you know, like you said, you pull, you're pull, you pulling his data. Everybody just kind of pulls his data for what it could be. I'll say this, like Mike Trout's Mike Trout. 
Like he could have the worst kinematic sequence possible. Okay. And like, he's, he's already MVP. Like, do we really want to mess with that? Do we really want to like say, Hey, you could be MVP, but you could be, what, what else is there to be? You know what I mean? Like what else? Right. Right. So like you want to hit a thousand home runs. I mean, what, what, what else do you want to do? Um, So I think it's, you just got to come down. It comes down to like, you know, is it really going to help the player? Um, Is it going to change the player's approach or mindset too much? Um, And then, then you decide what, you know, what information you give them. Man, like, it's just funny to see how, like, I I just remember how when we first started talking and where you are now, like, what would you have done differently? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that, that I would definitely do different, like you always, everybody always has like every year, there was always one kid on your team or probably, probably more than probably like 10, um, that you were always like, why can't this kid understand this part? Or why can't he move the way that I want him to move? And that's one thing I would do different. Like not everybody moves the same way. Like my tightness is different than, than your tightness. You know, Mookie Betts is different than Mike Trout. Um, and not everybody can do the same moves. And that's something that, you know, really got kind of got my wheels turning as far as like, wow, like I have to teach every guy differently because of the way their body's made up. So, uh, like I said, like a guy like Joey Schwartz is different than a guy like, um, Trey Todd, you know, Trey Todd versus Joey Schwartz. Those guys are two different guys. Uh, so what I say to them and the drills that I give them have to be completely different sometimes. Um, now, whereas guys like maybe like Javi Baez and Mookie Betts are more similar about how their body, you know, works, they're more mobile. Um, so that's one thing I would probably do a little bit different. I would be more individualized, but at the, at the, at that time, like no one knew that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, when you look at the group in, in a whole, like it worked out pretty well. Um, I'm sure some guys fell through the cracks, but you know, it's, it's about, you know, at that point it was, it was trying to get the majority of the guys to, to buy into what, what we were doing. So um, just understanding that everybody moves different, like, you know, athletically, they're not going to be able to do exactly what I tell them that we want them to do. But that was cool back then because then I actually made the lineup and I could say, you know, do this or, or else (laughs) now it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm here to help guys get, get to the next level. And, and, um, you know, some, some guys might say to you, full shit, get out of my face, you know, or whatever they can take it for what it's worth. Um, but that's, that's my job here is to help those guys get better. So, so taking that, like, you know, like saying that's what I did differently. So how do you program now on your team? Like, can I keep it in a team setting? You know, yes, you are, I guess, I know the minor league, it's really just about full development. So, I mean, I guess you can really just fully pro you fully just program everybody's down to BP down to their indie work and down to their skill work. Like you ever, is everything fully individualized? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would, yes and no. I mean, we have like a, um, a mobility test for every one of our guys. So all of our guys are tests for mobility. We know who can move, who can't move, who's tight, who's loose, who's hypermobile, who's neutral. Um, so that helps me with like coming up with what their deficiencies are. So like, if I look at their K vest and, you know, they, they have a really hard time stopping, you know, mm-hmm. or decelerating their pelvis and come to find out they're, they're hypermobile in their hips. 
So that might be a guy that, that needs to step across his body just a little bit in order to help those hips decel faster. Because if I'm hypermobile, it's going to take me longer to stop because my body can move. There's more range of motion there. So all that kind of stuff gets, gets thrown in the mix. So I, I have to know that stuff. I have to know, you know, you might see a guy that kind of loses his scap a little bit early. Um, you know, the first thing I look at is like, okay, well, what's, what's his scap tightness? Like, let me, let me look at that and find out, you know, is he tight? Is he loose? Um, and a lot of times, you know, like I just talked to a guy the other day, you know, he was a real pushy guy. So he would always like lose his scap early. So his, this is like his first trigger is like dropping his elbow in the slot. Um, come to find out he was a, like a hyper move hypermobile mover in his in his scap so he should be really be, be getting like that hobby bias scap load where it's a much bigger you know drastic scap load uh to help pull that you know get that rubber band efficiency almost he's like a tip you know what saying? yeah 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 so it's stuff like that i mean we've had some we have another really big guy who's, you know, big donkey and you look at him and you're like, damn, that kid can't move at all. And then you look at his, his mobility screening and he's hypermobile and just about everything. So it's like, wow. Like if, if it was up to me, I would have minimized everything that that kid did where really we should be maximizing his movements um, to, you know, really like tighten that rubber band. Sure. So our, so as a hitting coach now, do you find yourself, doing even more getting into like the stretching and stuff. So like, that's going to work on that. They're, if they're a big mover, do you feel yourself getting it? Like you have to prescribe that kind of stuff or is that just like no. your, your pre hitting kind of movement work? No, I mean, I, I don't really get into that a whole lot. Um, like I said, I, I'll look at all their screenings and find out who can do what. Um, Cause that, that helps me paint a picture of helps paint the picture of what, what they can do when they hit. So, um, you know, usually like that's, like I said, with the scap or, guys that have a hard time rotating, they might be tight internal, external rotation. Um, so I have to know that kind of stuff, but I don't, I don't prescribe anything. Um, I'll, I'll talk to our, our trainers and say, Hey, like this guy has a really hard time rotating. Like, can you check him, you know, in his internal, external rotation? Can you check him in the squat? Like what's he look like when he moves, when he lifts? Um, and we got, we have a new athletic trainer or uh, excuse me, strength coach, uh, Nick White. He used to be with uh, coastal Carolina. And he's amazing. Like he, he, he probably would pick that out before I would honestly, he, cause he's in the weight room with them. He makes everybody do, do everything with correct form. Um, and if you can't, then they're, then they're working on that. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting into the stretching a whole lot. And, and honestly, like I'll try to, I'm more about working around some things. So again, if a guy has tight hips, I might have them, um, open up a little bit in their stride just to create a little bit more space so that they could turn a little bit easier. Cool. So you're still so loose mover. We want them to kind of close off to decel their hips and, and then a tight mover. We want to kind of open them up. Did you get all that? Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of went in out a little bit, but I was thinking tight mover, <clears throat> tight mover. We're going to uh, close them off. You know, no, no. Be- no, tight mover. We're going to try to open them up. So like oh, we're trying yeah, to assist, yeah. we're trying to assist their, their movement. So tight, they can't move. We want to help assist them. So we want to open them up. Um, and then a loose mover, you know, they, they, we need to assist stopping or hitting the brake. So we want to maybe close those guys off a little bit. And I think that's where you see some of the, the kickback come in. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you know, kickback is just basically, you know, your body's way of counterbalancing. Um, so if I step across my body, my back foot's going to kick the other way. If I step open, my right foot is going to kick towards the plate and it's going to balance me. So it's, it's always trying to keep that balance. So for, for somebody to say like, yeah, everybody should scissor. That's not, that's not true. I mean, at least I don't think it is. I mean, I, I get what Eugene talks about, but I, I don't, you don't see very, barely any left-handers scissor at all. A couple here and there, mm-hmm. but that's because yeah. they're trying to run to first base and they're, they're, they're rotating correctly. Well, yeah. And then if they run to first base, it's also mean they're stopping. They're stopping uh, a little bit faster than right-handers would as well. And I remember that's a conversation we had in January at the ABCA where you were, we were talking about the kickback and things like that. We're like, a lot of times they're just doing that because they're bad movers. And yeah. I guess that was that kind of a conversation that I was thinking of, like where teaching guys how to move, right? Um, but again, that like I said, that kind of comes back to the conversation where you were saying is like, do I, he's doing really well, but do I want to teach, you know, do I want to keep him moving bad? You know, so I, mm-hmm. I guess you just take it for every kid for what it is. And I guess that's just that programming that you do. Um, do you do many like um, I guess like individual like programming of drill sets too? Like what guys like like their I guess their early work kind of stuff would be. Yeah, I mean, like we try to we try to throw guys in buckets as far as like you know what they're good at, what they're bad at, what they need to work on. Um, so like if I have a, a group that you know has has below average bat speed, and we might we might try to work on bat speed, you know, more than guys that with really good bat speed. So. Um, just things like that. I mean, it's not so individualized that like I'm working with one single guy every single day, like, you know, doing their own thing, but it's more like we try to bucket it. Um, we try to say, okay, like bad movers are going here, bad bat speeds going here, bad directions going here. And we'll just kind of split them up and and go from there. But, um, sometimes it could, I mean, I think you got to be creative with that too. Like, even if it's like, okay, you, your swing decisions suck. So all we're going to be doing is mixing pitches today and, and making sure that you're swinging at strikes. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we individualize things just because the timing of everything, we, we don't have a whole lot of time, even though it seems like we have so much time during the day. Um, you know, guys have to sleep, they have to lift, they have to eat. Um, you know, they get two meals a day at, at the park. So next thing you know, like there's no time to do anything let alone they got to go play a game at seven yeah yep for sure do how much how much help are you are really doing all those things by yourself um no like last year last year was a little different i mean when i was at delmarva uh we had pat leland with us um who's jim leland's son and he helped me a little bit with like just bp stuff but i mean i was the only one with the kvs i was the only one that understood the blast stuff so um, you know, it was kind of, it kind of was all me there, but, um, once I got to Aberdeen, like I had Jack Graham who kind of helped out KB, our, our head coach helped out with a lot of BP stuff, but, you know, and this year I'm going to have even more help. Cause I have, um, we have an extra coach being, that's going to be there. We have Colin Woody. Um, he's kind of a hitting guy. Like he kind of does a little bit of everything, everything, but he'll be with me. Um, I'll actually have an analytics guy that that's on our staff. That's going to be able to help me kind of relate the analytics side of it to the players. Um, so, I, I mean, yes and no, there's a lot of stuff that I have to schedule out every day and make sure that, you know, guys are getting the, 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 the right work that they need. Um, but like, 
we have other guys that throw BP and kind of flip so I can watch or I can run, you know, the KVS stuff or whatever. All right. Yeah. It seems like so much now, like uh, a lot of your job is on the computer, you know, being able to either program things or even just going through all your data, you know, and then being able to, like you said, follow it down and then have a meeting with everybody and going over it all. Yeah. And one thing I'll say about that, and this might answer, you know, some of the other questions you guys have is, is that like, hitters have to understand what they hit well. So like one, one of the biggest things that I look at is I look at our hitters strengths and our hitters weaknesses. So I like, I pull their spray charts up and I'm like, okay, well let's match you. Let's match your, your hot zones versus your swing percentages. So we'll look at like their heat map and next thing you know, their heat map is like blood red, you know, middle away, but yet they're swinging at all kinds of inside pitches and, and they're not doing any damage there. So, um, my, my job is to say, listen, this, this is what needs to happen. A, if you're going to continue to swing at that pitch, we need you to hit that pitch <laughs> or B let's just stop swinging at that pitch and worry about your hot zone. So same thing with like youth guys, uh, high school kids or whatever, like write down in a notebook, like what, you know, results of things. Like if you hit a double and you hit it well, write that down. So you have, then over time you can start to track that and you can be like, okay, well, it seems like I really handle that middle end pitch really well but yet I don't swing at it enough because I, I don't think I can hit it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. There's so many guys that like do damage on the inner part of the plate and they're afraid to swing at it because, you know, they're, they're just set up looking away all the time. Um, and I've noticed that a lot this year is like, you know, when I'm doing their player plans, I'm like, yo, like you crush the inside pitch, but you never swing at it. So yeah, you would say like, that's something that kids should probably spend more time doing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just, understanding what you hit well. Um, like I said, not, not everybody has track man or, or, you know, statistician or anything like that. They can break things down, but you got a note notepad, go in there, say, you know, write down your results. Like, you know, you chase the pitch out of the zone, write it down. So that way you can kind of go over and, and compile all your results and say, okay, well, it looks like this is what I need to look for. Um, I honestly, kids swing way too much and they this goes from pro ball all the way to like Hartford high school, middle school, whatever they swing too much. Um, swing less, look for, for better pitches to do damage. And I, and I get it. The umpires are, you know, so-and-so's dad who's just volunteering, whatever. I get that. But if you swing at, if you swing that pitch, that's out of, out of the zone, either way, you're out, you're out most of the time. So just don't swing at it. If you, if you get rung up on a pitch, that's a foot off the plate, who cares? You know what I mean? That's who cares? Yeah. It's, it's coming back to like one of the first things we talked about was the swing decision, you know, which I, I, I was, I've been, that's one of my things this past year or two that I just been on like, look, man, there's like all this talk about all these things we can do, but it don't, it don't matter if you're swinging at balls. that shouldn't, it, there's nothing you're going to do with them. Yep. Nothing. You know, and especially and today with guys throwing the way they are, like they have so much information at their fingertips that they, they know exactly how they want to throw a pitch to be effective and they know exactly where to put it to be effective. So it's like, you know, we don't even know what pitch is coming. So like, what are, you know, you're, you're basically reacting to everything. So you got to put yourself in a good position in order to react and be able to make solid contact. And, you know, swinging the pitches out of the zone is, is, is something that, you know, you, you can't be successful with. Absolutely. No way. You know, Vladimir Guerrero was a freak that could do, could do that, but 
Uh, you know, I mean, he still hit balls that, you know, were strikes a long way. You know? Yeah. But, you know, that's something he's, we just remember it by. But, yeah, he still made his money on pitches he should have hit, and he hit them really well. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I mean, we talked a lot of – we just talked about something that you think that hitters should do more of. What do you think hitters now should do less of? So you said swing less. Uh, but, like, well, what's something even – I guess as coaches, if you look back at your time at Hartford or even just time now, like, <clears throat> what's something you, you wish you just didn't do as much that you spent – you know, you – you would spend, sorry, less time on. As a coach? Yeah, as a coach or even as even as a player. Like you talked about as a player, like they should swing less. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's something that like right now players are working on, they say like you should be working less on that and more on this. Well, I think this this covers kind of both both scenarios as a player and a coach. Um, like so many times player, and my guys were always, they always wanted to do this too, but they're they're so worried about like, feeling good in BP and, and not really working on things that translate to the game. So, you know, one of the first things I did at Hartford was like, I bought one of those hack attacks back in like 2012 or something like that. And I cranked that thing up to the nastiest slider possible. And our guys hated it. And for a long time, they hated me because I would make them hit it. But guess what? We became really, really good hitters. And after about a year, you know, guys started figuring it out because they were like, listen, this thing ain't going away. So I got to either figure it out or just transfer. (laughs) uh, So they ended up figuring it out. And the same thing goes here. Like, you know, five o'clock BP, you know, 52 miles an hour straight in down the middle. That's, that's that the only thing that's helping is my confidence. And I do agree that there's an aspect of confidence, but at the same time, our hitters are, have to make decisions on the dime about, you know, a 92 mile an hour fastball or an 83 mile an hour slider. So we should be practicing that more, you know, in BP. So whether it's random BP, um, more, more high velo in BP, more, you know, maybe it's two machines, maybe a fastball breaking ball. Um, but, you know, really understanding, you know, the way baseball works and, you know, BP pregame, that's, that's not realistic. Um, the only thing that's good for is confidence. So I would say, you know, get, get the, the, get the bastard slider machine out there and, you know, try to hit it. Once you master that work on something else. Um, but understand, understand the difference between block practice and and random Mm -hmm. practice. If if I'm teaching, if I'm teaching a player how to, you know, efficiently turn their hips, that's going to need to be more, you know, controlled. And, and that's going to be more off of a T or front toss, something that we can like, control the setting and we're working on that one specific motor skill. Whereas like, you know, you have a boatload of guys who are all-stars or minor league players that can, can rotate well. Well, now we need to start teaching them to, to react better. So now you start challenging now, now, Yeah, exactly. So in an ideal world in the minor leagues, we would have somebody that could throw just like, you know, say Justin Verlander, throw us BP every day from the mound. Um, that's not realistic. So we got to get as realistic as we can from that. That might be a machine. That might be moving BP up. That might be saying, hey, BP pitcher, throw throw more balls, mixing sliders, mixing change-ups, um, you know, gas them up, bring a little bit of velo. Um, and what, what that means for the player is that they have to check their ego at the door and they have to realize, like, hey, I'm not going to look good sometimes at BP. But what I, what I need to figure out is, like, why – why am I not adjustable? Um, why can't I, um, 
to do it more randomized. You get a message saying my, my connection is unstable. So that's why I keep asking you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's all right. So I get, I know what you're saying about the random, like I've, I've had some conversations with some players, um, some really good players, even around here. And we talked about, you know, just, um, the failing more of practice and just kids just aren't comfortable with it. I know as a coach, you know, it gets pretty uncomfortable. Um, but I think that really leads into, leads into pretty well about the kind of, um, cause what you're saying is like asking yourself, like, why can't I handle this really well? Um, you know, why can't, uh, you know, why not be adaptable? You know, this, this for me seems kind of like mental skills, you know, when I think of becoming, you know, a better, better player, like it's gotta be part of the mental side as well. You know, so like, you know, what kind of what kind of skills have you seen those best kind of guys have at the next level or even when you're at Hartford and how that carries over? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's that growth mindset. I mean, when you when you're talking to a guy who wants to learn uh, like we had we had I had three kids from Stanford last year. I had you know Maverick Hanley. I had Andrew Dashball and I had uh, Kyle Stowers. And, you know, you, you think of a Stanford kid, you're like, man, those kids are pretty smart. Right. So, but the best thing about those guys was they were willing to listen and learn to anything that I said. And they would question me on stuff. They'd be like, well, why, why do you think this works this way? And I would have to give them an answer. Um, so like, I think that that that's really important for, for players to understand is that, you know, you, you have to have a growth mindset. You have to understand, you know, why things are happening and, you know, if, it, if you don't think it's right, then find out why you're doing it and, and ask the question. I mean, maybe, maybe your coach or, or whoever's doing it with you doesn't, doesn't understand that. Um, maybe, they, maybe they've never asked that question. Um, so anytime that you can have that growth mindset um, to be open to, to different things. I mean, that's one thing that, that I try to do a lot. I try to listen to all these different hitting guys, um, whether I think they're, they're right or I think they're wrong. Um, I want to know why they're doing, why they think that at least, because um, maybe I'll pick something up, you know, maybe I'll think, maybe I'll find something like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And I know a lot of guys like talk bad about, you know, teacher man and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, one night I was like, dude, I, he was, it was like the first part of the, um, the uh, coronavirus when I just got home and he put out a video and I was like, I'm going to listen to this. And there was, he had a lot of really, really, that he said in there. And, and honestly, a lot of the, you know, I, I got some good, um, and as for coaches, I think coaches, you guys got to be, you know, you have to really think about like deliberate practice. I mean, you know, things that translate to the games, like, you know, why are we doing what we're doing? Like, like I said, with BP, that doesn't make sense. Or why is it, why are we hitting easy fungos at our, at our infielders? Um, why are we hitting easy backspin fly balls to our outfielders when, in games that that's not what really happens. So we have to make our practices so much like our games. Um, and I think just, you know, some, some coaches and some players, they just, they don't want to, they don't want to get out of the way they've always done things. Um, those people get left in the dust. Absolutely. Adapt or die. So I guess the thing is yep. that sounds a lot of like what you're saying is being reflective too, yeah. like having some self-awareness, you know, like you're saying, why am I doing this is a very self-aware, you know, reflective kind of thing um, mm -hmm. to be able to do that. Um, so you're seeing that a lot in players. <clears throat> or like yeah, I, I see that. I see that coaches? in the best players. Yeah. Um, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like Adley is unbelievable. Um, you know, he's not just like 
gifted athlete. He is like, he knows what he's talking about. He, he gets like the mental side of things. Like he'll sit there and talk to you about like, yeah, you know, I think we should do this or I don't think we should do that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, he just has it all figured out and he'll list, he'll sit there and he'll be like, what do you, what do you see in my swing? And I'll be like, well, I, I think this, this and that. And he'll be like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I think that's so I've never heard it that way, but yeah, I, th- I think that's good. Or he'll say like, you know, he just has, he just has it figured out. And, and that's, that's what so many guys, you know, don't have because they're so nervous about, you know, making it to the next level. They're afraid to say they don't know something. They're afraid to say, um, that they're not good at something. Whereas he'll tell you, like, if he's not good at something, he'll tell you right away. He'll be like, you know, I suck at hitting that or, or I need to get better at this. And he's very humble. Um, and I think that's, that's important. So many guys try to put up a front that, you know, that they're, they're the best, which I get it. But at the same time, like, I think some of the best players are, have the growth mindset and are, are very humble. Um, they just want to get better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I guess because at the beginning of the call, you're talking about, you know, your zoom calls and things like that, that you're doing with your book clubs. Um, do you do those? Are you only doing that now because of the way things are now? Or is that something that you, that the Orioles do all the time? Uh, well, I mean, we just started doing it during this, this kind of crisis pandemic. Um, but honestly, we, the day that they uh, canceled the Olympics or postponed the Olympics, um, we had a we had a phone call with um, the USOC, and I was like, I thought it was like we were talking about like U.S. soccer. <clears throat> so I was like, oh, well, you know, we're talking to the soccer soccer coaches or whatever. So next thing I know, we're talking to the Olympic committee coaches. Like we're talking to the soccer coach from the U.S. from the Olympic team. We're talking about the volleyball coach, you know, the boxing coach the rowing coach. And we have like the rug, uh, Irish rugby on there. We had, you know, we had all kinds of like super awesome, you know, coaches from around the world. And they just got the news broken to them that, the, you know, the, the Olympics were, were uh, postponed. So they were obviously all bummed and they were in the process of figuring out how to stay in touch with their athletes. So um, I took so much stuff from, from that phone call from them. I mean, just some of the stuff like the Irish rugby guys do, you know, cause they have guys from all over the world, um, how they stay in contact with them, how they, how they like basically call in on FaceTime and work out with their players. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the, like the strength coach, he literally has them call in and he's sitting there lifting with them, you know, going through their form and how they feel and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think we realized right there, we were like, wow, like we're, we're way behind all these other sports. I was, I was blown away. So I think you're going to start to see this a lot more in all pro sports. And, and in general, you're going to see more and more people connecting through things like this in order to, to share knowledge and share ideas of how, you know, they do it versus how we do it more like yours, vice versa. I mean, I think that that's, it's going to open up a, a whole new set of whole new set of doors really. Yeah, I, I lost you there for a minute. So you're saying you, you said that you, you're you think we'll see more like Zoom meetings and FaceTimes where people are kind of checking in on their guys. Sure, just I kind of like say keep keep them accountable. Yeah, I mean, I think in the off season now, like this gives us the 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 ability, and and we we know that it's a positive result. Like we can check in with guys all the time. Um, you know, like 
I'm working with Caden Grenier and I think he needs to work on something like, Hey, take me to the cage with you. You know what I mean? I want to see what's going on, who you're working with, this and that. Um, you know, what your numbers are, that kind of stuff. Like it's going to open up a whole new world as far as, you know, how we communicate with our athletes, especially when we're not with each other all the time. Absolutely. And like you said earlier, I mean, that's, you know, besides just the data we're going to give them, the, the way we communicate that is, be- is yep. much better, you know, and um, is earlier most important is what you're saying. Like they, the communication piece has to be there. And yeah, I, I would agree. I, I think this is definitely going to change, change certain meetings that happened or, you know, I, absolutely. This will definitely change how people do business. Yeah. It just seems like, I mean, like when you, like you said, so much about Adley, Adley like has it figured out, man. Like when you say that, like, you know, like typically when I, I know the conversation we've had and you said people just need it figured out. It's almost like they got to get out their own way, which typically is not so much a physical thing. They got to figure out that they, they don't have it figured out. Um, because like, that's what I think, that's what I think Adley realizes. Like, you know, he wants to just keep getting better. Same thing with Trey Todd. Trey Todd was amazing. Like sometimes I would say stuff to him and he would just like, look at me like, like I have no idea what you're talking about. And he would just say like, I don't, what, what do you mean? Like, I've never heard that in my life. Um, mm. And that's what made him different. Like he was very, he also was very humble. Um, you know, Luke Johnson, like again, oh, Ryan Calhoun, all those guys. Yeah. I mean, they would do, they would do anything I asked. I, I asked them to do because obviously I, I created a, an atmosphere of them trusting me. Um, and I think that's the most important thing. You got to create, create trust with, with your team. Um, and once that trust is, is there, then, you know, they trust that you're giving them the right information. And, um, you know, if I'm giving them false information, I, you know, I'm hoping that they will, they'll go and, you know, call me out on it, honestly. Um, but that, yeah, definitely all those, all of our best players, um, they all had the same traits that, you know, they were always looking to learn and, and get better. What, uh, I mean, like you want to talk some base running, man, you want to get into like your base running stuff. I mean, I, like I said, no one really no one really knew like the kind of base running stuff that you had at Hartford, man. I think all your hitting numbers were just kind of over, just, you know, cause they were just phenomenal. But at the end of the day, you know, when, how many, how many bags would you steal a year? I mean, like there was a couple of times like you were. I think we stole over 200 bags, like four or five different times. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, that's something that was just never talked about, man. Like, and, and so, you know, you just, you was really like an offensive, like, you know, people, I know that people talk about you as a hitting guy, but it's just like you're an offensive guy. You know, it's, I was like, you know, that's why I talked to guys about you. I'm like, he's more than just hitting. Like, you know, there's, he can just score some runs. He score runs is more just hitting. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's a revolving door. I mean, if you, if, if you hit, then teams are going to be worried about you hitting and they're going to forget about you running. So then you, then you run. And then all of a sudden it, it, it works on the opposite end where like teams are like, oh my God, Matt or uh, Nick Rollins on base. Like we know he's going to run. Yeah, but guess who's hitting next? Trey Todd. Trey Todd's, Trey Todd's hitting next, and he hit 22 jacks. Um, so he's going to hope that you are worried about Nick rolling over there at first base so you can throw him a, a groove fastball right down the middle. Um, you know, and then, and then all that stuff kind of works together, and then next thing you know, you score 600, 700 runs a year and um, average 10 to 12 runs a game. And people are like, you know, yeah, we hit but we create a lot of runs, um, well, you know, by hustling bad pitches, I guess what you're saying too. You're also creating bad pitches because guys are worried about the guys on the bases. 
Yep. So do you want to, exactly. like, so like what was like the best yep. thing that you guys did base running wise at Hartford? So yeah, I mean, that's, that's huge. So what was like, well, I think, the- um, yeah, I think the first thing that, <clears throat> that we, we started incorporating was just like understanding your, your lead length. And I think so many people get screwed up with that. Like, you know, they get to first base and they take three steps or whatever, and they think they're big and they're not big or maybe they're getting too big and, and they're not able to get back and their reaction time slows down because they're afraid to get picked off. Um, so that's one thing we practice all the time is just our leads, you know, whether it's an old school lead or a new school lead or a hybrid lead. Um, they know exactly, you know, how many steps it is to get into that lead, which is a safe lead or more, more aggressive lead. So, um, you know, it was really easy at, at Hartford because we had that turf. We could just like, you know, put down some markers or, or whatever. Um, but you think about it, every stadium is different. Every stadium has a different cutout. Um, so you got to be, you can't just get, you know, a foot on the cutout. It's your right foot to the cutout. It might be your left foot this time. So um, that's one of the biggest things that we did. And then we started, you know, figuring out like, okay, who, who's really good at running? Who's, who's got Deion Sanders speed? Who's got uh, Cecil Fielder speed? And then, you know, we're going to kind of label those guys and those guys are the ones that, you know, we're going to have to go off the pitcher and determine whether they can go or not. So, uh, Deion Sanders can go just on anybody, just about anybody. Um, Cecil Fielder is going to have to find a, a pitcher that's a one, seven, one, eight to the plate, um, in order to try to get a bag. So, um, so you're just started- saying that you would time the, so you would know the times of guys and then you would know yep. the times of the pitchers and then, based off of the catcher's pop time, you basically then are saying, here's green guy. Here's a red. Yeah. Guy. I mean, we, we would never even worry about the catcher. Cause like mostly all catchers are about the same. Um, so we would just go off the pitcher. If the pitcher gave us, you know, a number that we liked, we were taking the bag. And what other people don't understand is that we stole 200 bags, but we were also 90, 91% successful with that. So, you know, when we did that, it was like, we weren't just running reckless. We were running, when we knew we had the bag because, you know, the pitcher gave it away, the pitcher's slow, you know, uh, he's got to tell, you know, you, you see, you see pitchers all the time. They come set and then they go, <sighs> go home. And, you know, we'll pick stuff out like that all the time, or, you know, just know, know what counts to run in. Um, you know, what, what some of the tendencies are, you know, you throw over twice in a row, you are probably not going to throw over again. So we're going to take the bag. Um, I've seen a lot of guys steal three Oh, um, I thought that was, re- I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of crappy sometimes, but like, think about how slow the pitcher is to the plate. You know, oh, three yeah. He's trying to like, just get one in the middle of the plate. Um, so, and then sometimes I'd have to tell our guys not to run three because I'd be like, yo, this guy's going to get a, a cookie right down the middle of the plate. Don't screw it up. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what we would do. We would do the new school, old school leads, the hybrid leads, uh, not, not Tallarico. Um, I, I got to hear him and uh, uh, Jerry Weinstein talk a couple years ago, uh, and it was amazing. Like, blew my mind. I was like, "All right, we're we're changing everything that we do. Um, it makes so much sense." And then you kind of like stove? that was a hot stove just one night, wasn't it? In ABC, yeah, we were yeah. Like upstairs, like in like a random room. I think, I think we were both yeah. up there. Yep. Wow, that was that was a crazy that was a crazy night. That was that was really good. Like, what are we doing? I think he really, I think he realized too, that it was so good that, uh, people like me could like, you know, just pick up on it just that quick. Um, but yeah, I mean, that 
hearing him talk, I was just like, oh my God, this, and then you see Brian Roberts and Brian, that's what Brian Roberts did. Yeah. And then it's like, oh my God, why don't, why don't more people do this? Um, and, and, you know, every time we talk about it or we bring it up or someone brings it up, you know, there's always that one guy to say like, oh, I'll stop that. Like, we'll just, you know, run time picks on you or we'll do this or we'll do that. And that's what it is. It, it's, it's the base runner adapting to everything that you have. You know, we're picking up on that. We're not going until we have something on you. So yeah, you might, well, I think it also talks think, about like you said, your first thing you talk about was leads. Like the yeah, first thing oh, yeah. you said, like it's about your lead. And when you know your lead with your eyes closed and you know, you know, without whatever you're at, then it doesn't matter. You know, like yep. you can pick what you want. But I, I think that's why like I think what you said was really smart is like your first thing is just your lead, like knowing where you're at on the baseball field. You know, and I remember we started at like you're going to do it every day with your eyes closed. Like that's what you're going to do out in left field. You know, when you're warming up, we're just going to work on your leads and every day you're going to go out with your eyes closed until you know it. Yep. <clears throat> and we do the same thing, you know, here at, at, at Hartford. I mean, that's what we did. And um, at some point, like they get it, we don't have to do as much. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's about adapting. I mean, it's a cat and mouse game. I know Tyreek says it all the time. It's a cat and mouse game and you're constantly adapting to what, what the cat's trying to do you know he's he's going to stay up late and wait for you to come out well i'm going to sleep in and you know make make him wait even longer so same thing with pitchers i mean they're they're ten they're, they always have tendencies um even when they think that they don't have tendencies they have tendencies um so that's that's our first base coach's job that's the the runner's job is to break that code right away and figure out when they can go now, will you, because, uh, you know, like in, in college, a lot of guys, you know, we're, we're putting a guy on that or we're doing that. Do you still do that at, at your level? Like, will you still say like, hey, man, I want you to check out the pitcher here? Or is that kind of like just everybody's <laughs> job to do that? Um, I mean, we have we have some guys doing some stuff. I mean, like whether it's a whiteboard or our, our development guy or whatever. Um, but we have so much video access that we can go in and, you know, we, we can I can sit there the day before we see somebody and I can watch video of them and figure out their tendency. So it's, it makes things a lot easier. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's a lot harder because the higher levels you go, the less tips they give you, you know, they don't tip as much. It's good pitchers. What's the pitchers do? Pitchers yeah, yeah. All about. And that's like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen, you've recruited plenty of guys were like, now like they weren't the greatest in high school at doing it so like that's just part of their development that they got to do it at juco or wherever they're at yeah eventually they get burned at it and then they they learn that they have to get better at it so um that's what it comes down to mm-hmm. now do you feel i guess with with your new role now are you are you are you implementing a lot of baseball base running things for the Orioles like during their warm-up time during their running time is that part of their early work or you have uh, honestly, we just started with everything and, and okay. then we were, I was literally there for like, I, I think I was there for two weeks and, um, we had just introduced our new base running routines. Um, we had just started going over them. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's something that every day will set us like if, if we were in regular season right now, there'd be every day we would set some time aside to go over some stuff. Um, whether it was their leads or, you know, just like, a a little breakout session about tonight's arms or whatever. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be something every single day with base running. Um, maybe, maybe it's just like a, you know, what we screwed up on yesterday and what we did good yesterday. Um, I know we started doing that a lot at Aberdeen where it was like, you know, let's, let's, let's video their, their leads and let's, let's see what their jumps look like. Your jumps suck. Like 
we got to figure out why they suck. Um, and that's, that may be where our strength and conditioning guy comes in and says, okay, well, his running form sucks. Like he should be driving his heel into the ground here versus, you know, whatever he's doing. What are some of the things that you would say as a recruiter or the things that you would even look for when you're at Hartford, like the best thing for kids to kind of work on, you know, what are the things that kind of stood out to you when you were recruiting guys? Um, when you look and you, you've seen so many recruiting videos, what are some things that just popped out at you? Um, I mean, usually, usually it was a, it was a, a single tool. So like, for instance, um, like I remember, and we'll talk about Joey Schwartz, Joey Schwartz, when I saw him, when I saw him swing, I was like, yo, I like that kid swing. Um, I didn't care if he could feel it. I didn't care if he could throw, I didn't care if he could run. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a 12th grader. Like I, I ran a seven Oh seven two probably in high school. And then when I got to college, I ran like a six, eight. So like, there's, there's way to get things like that better. So I, I looked for a tool. So Joey had a, a really, really good bat. Whereas like Justin Brown, who was from Northern Virginia, he ran like a six, three sixty. You know what I mean? And he wasn't a great hitter, but he could go get it in the outfield. He could, he could play. He's super athletic. So I'm like, okay, well I can teach that kid to, to be a be good hitter. Um, or I could teach Joey Schwartz to, to be a better runner or a better fielder, or a better thrower, whatever it is. Um, you know, so I think it was just like, we, we looked for that one standout tool. Um, but then again, we also had a lot of guys that were like middle of the pack, just got missed. Um, I kind of, I kind of labeled Joey as that too. Like he just was, he didn't have anything like his bat was great. Don't get me wrong. It was great for us. Um, but I think a lot of people overlooked his bat. And then next thing you know, like he got to us. It was like, holy shit, who, who's this kid? He can hit. Well, it was always there. He just, he just had to refine some things. So, um, and that's how I was as a player too. Like I, I never did anything great. I wasn't the best runner. I wasn't the best thrower. Um, I wasn't the best hitter. But like I did everything pretty well, so that's that's kind of what we look for: either a big tool or just like a really consistent player, um, a ball who obviously like improves that they, yeah, player. like yeah, exactly. Somebody who can do a little bit of everything, but at the same time, like we want guys at Hartford that you know want to move, who have that growth mindset and want to move on to you know Division One school, or Division Two school, or Division Three, whatever. They want to play after Hartford. Um, I always joked it wasn't like. I never took a kid who was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm from Hartford Tech or I'm from Bel Air or whatever. I think I'll play baseball at Hartford. I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. Like, no, we want you to come to Hartford because you want to play somewhere else. Um, it's not just like you think you might play baseball. Like, that's that kind of like insulted me. I was like, no, not, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just like look for a, look for a tool and um, – obviously like just be willing to learn and, you know, continue to get better. And, you know, I, I think something that really turned me off from a lot of guys is just like big egos. Like I think egos just get in the way with everything. Um, and I think that's something that we were really good at too. Like we, we were able to check some guys egos at the door because I would just be like, listen, dude, like, you know, I, I, my job was to prepare them for wherever they went next. So if they went to Towson or Maryland or Clemson or wherever, and they had this ego that was an issue, then it made me look bad. So I was like, all right, well, I'll check their egos at the door, you know? So right away I'd be like, listen, you know, if you, if you, if you guys screw up, I'll just forget, I'll just screw up and forget your name on the lineup every day. Like I'll take baseball away from you. And, um, I think that's what really, really worked the best. Hard to, um, argue with that success that you had there too, buddy. 
you know. It's funny though, because like they always thought I was joking too. I'd be like, yeah, man, I just might, I might forget to write your name on the lineup tomorrow. But like I was joking, but I really wasn't. Like I was right. just, I was just laying it out there. It. That was the way that you yeah, I was just laying it. it out there to say, listen, like at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I write the lineup. And if you want to, if you want to make our program look bad, or you want to make me look bad, or or anybody that was a part of our program, you want to make them look bad. Um, we don't, we don't need that. Absolutely. So like just, and it's funny how you even just, you mentioned a couple of those things, you know, the singles tool that stood out, you know, just being a ball player, you know, being that grinder, you know, and then to the other, the other part of that was saying willingness to learn the growth mindset, you know, no ego, um, wanting to move on, which is really part of your growth mindset too. But just for me, that's just the competitiveness too. Like, it's funny how you just marry both of these things together. You know, I think, you know, me and you actually went through the same time, you know, uh, with, I was at Hagerstown when you were at Cecil and, you know, I was the same kind of way. I mean, I could, I could run a little bit. I, I ran a little bit better than you, but, um, but I, I was the same way. Like, I mean, if I'd say that was my tool, that was probably my tool and I could love it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I was the same kind of way. I was just a ball player, like where you were. And so I think that's kind of, you know, where it's funny how we just, we mold both of those things together, you know, when, and you have an eye for those things, which is really, you could really tell. And then, if you took a guy like Joey, like I knew, like, oh, yeah, Joey, he's just going to – his his swing will just get even better, mm-hmm. and, um, you know. So. It's so funny, too. Like, if you – if you if there was another Maryland Juco coach or Maryland Juco player that that played against our teams, they would probably be laughing because they'd be like, this guy's full of crap. Like, those guys were a bunch of, like, egomaniacs. Yeah. And, and honestly, it, it wasn't that way. Like, on the field, it, it, that was confidence. Those guys were – were were confident in what they were doing but at the same time if they did stuff that was like you know out of line like they they knew they would have to answer to me and they they did they, they knew that i was helping them get to a four-year school i was helping them with the draft if, if that's what they were a part of um and if 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 they made me look bad then it was there's gonna be some issues so um overall it was a learning experience for them um but it was also, you know, they, they showed their confidence on the field every day. I mean, sometimes they hit some home runs and it was just like, they earned the right to do what they did. You know what I mean? Like, hit the crap out of it. Like, go ahead. You just hit it 450. Like, it's all right. I'm not going to get mad about it. If somebody did that to me, I, w- I wouldn't get mad. Like, don't don't throw it there. I'm sure a bunch of people want to talk to you, you know, digging a little deeper. Um, you know, if somebody want to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach out to you, buddy? Uh, I'd say just on Twitter. I mean, um, Coach Tom Eller on Twitter, um, hit me a, a message and I'll, I'll, I'm pretty good about getting back to them, but if they, get, if there's too many of them on there, it might take me a little bit. Um, and if I don't get back to you, just keep, keep sending me stuff because I, I must've missed it. I don't, I don't ever like just skip out on people. Um, I'll always answer you. It's just a matter of like, maybe you just got lost. Maybe I opened it up on the bus and didn't get a chance to read it. Uh, and then forgot about it the next day or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, feel free to ask any questions through Twitter, it's, it's the easiest for me. For sure. I mean, I, I can say just from just some conversations with you, you've, you've always been open to talk with me anytime one, two, you know, Hey man, I'll give you a call maybe tomorrow. I'm on the bus or, you know, I just want to do something, you know, so you've always been very open to talk and you love talking baseball. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think too, that like so many guys are afraid to talk about stuff, like what they do and all that kind of stuff. I think, I think being able to talk to people about things and, and share ideas, it's, it's also a way of like, you know, learning yourself. Like maybe, maybe you ask me a question like, well, why do you do it that way? And I'm thinking like, well, I don't know. I never really thought about that. Like maybe I should figure that out. Um, 
So it makes me better too in, in the long run. Um, yeah, it kind of reinforces why you do it, reinforces your process. Yep. We just got through a ton of information and I really appreciate you sticking with us. But I really just had to thank Coach Tom Eller. Uh, Coach Eller, you can find him on Twitter. Um, best way to reach out to him. Um, he has really just reinforced this podcast of becoming better men and better ball players. Uh, you can hear f- from the traits that he knew that all of his top talent would have was not just physical talents, but definitely mental. And but giving some of the things that the Orioles are doing from having a book club, um, their talk about having a growth mindset. You heard him talk a lot about that with wanting to know more, wanting to do better, not just being stuck in your ways and only doing a certain way. Um, to also putting individual player plans together. Uh, so as an individual player, you need to know what kind of things work for you. As a coach, you need to know what kind of things are working best for your own players. And we need to start developing kids and meeting kids for their individual needs. Now, there is still time that everyone needs to do the same thing, but there is definitely a time that if we need to also implement plans for the specific person that might need some individual attention based off of their weaknesses or based on what they need. Um, He is really just making his way. um, This is just the start of his career with the Orioles, but he's really making his way. I truly believe, you know, he's just getting ready to make his way right up through the, the Major League Baseball. He has a system that works. He knows how to teach it. He's got a great rapport with kids. People like playing for him, and his results speak for themselves. At the end of the day, we know his process works because he gets results. And all of us right now are getting some type of feedback and knowing if our process is working or not based off of the results that we are getting. So uh, he's continued to be on his way. Uh, Just really fortunate to know him as a friend and be able to share this uh, insight and have this interview on a podcast. So again, I just really want to thank him. Not many coaches like to divulge that information and, and get into it as much as he does. And I'm just thankful that... He was able to spend some time with us, which really was a lot of time. We actually talked for even more time after it. Um, but um, if you want any more details on what we had a conversation, you can always reach out to me as well at Twitter at Coach3Cobb or on an email at Trey, T-R-E-Y-T-C-O-B-B at gmail.com. And I'll be happy to answer any questions for you. But again, thanks for sticking with us. And... I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. And I hope to see you next week on the Better Men, Better Paul Player podcast.